This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Those are the words of Jesus in Matthew 15, 19 and 20. Guys, thank you so much for coming to the show today. And I guess thank you for all the welcome back messages. As you see, last Thursday was kind of my welcome back episode. So thank you for that. We are right around the corner from episode 500 of this podcast. Can you believe it? I mean, we launched this thing back in 2017, and I've just been consistent. I've released at least one episode a week every week since 2017. We've done as many as like five episodes in a week, but here we are right about to have, uh, you know, episode 500. That'll be the forging table over the Sunday uh, or this coming Sunday. And speaking of the forging table, so there was a little mix up last Sunday. I accidentally released a future episode in the place of what should have been the Proverbs one episode. So I caught it early in the morning, but not before most of you guys caught it. And so I got a bunch of messages, a bunch of emails. So some of you early birds got a sneak peek as to the new book of the Bible that we're going to be starting here in a couple of weeks, but I will not spoil it for anybody else. So if you got that sneak peek, good on you, you know where we're headed. If not, you know that we're covering a couple of Proverbs in the next couple of weeks. So that has been fixed, so you can check out that episode. Again, thank you so much to our donors. We are a donation-based ministry, and the only way we're able to do the stuff that we do is because we have donors like you. So go to undaunted.life backslash donate to check out what we've got going on. And if you listened to the show last Thursday, you know that we are in the cigar business. So we have cigars that are benefiting the rescue team of the Tim Tebow Foundation, so that is helping to prevent and rescue children from sex trafficking. So when you buy those cigars, not only are they awesome, but they go to a great cause. We also have a couple new t-shirts in the Undaunted Life store, so you can check that out. And as always, we are an Origin-sponsored uh, brand, Origin and Jocko Fuel. So if you want to get some boots, geese, hunting gear, or get some protein or creatine or greens or whatever, make sure you go and you use the code UNDAUNTED at checkout. Now, I'm very excited for these quick hitters today because I was kind of looking at the release schedule. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't know... The next time when I'm going to be able to hit these quick hitters, so I wanted to make sure that these had a lot of thump to them. So let me just read these to you. A drag queen being hired to be the principal of an elementary school in Oklahoma City. Yes, that's a real story. Then we've got Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin pardoning a Loudoun County father that was arrested at a school board meeting. The state of California voting in favor of a bill that would force judges to favor trans-affirming parents in custody battles. Yes, And another one, New Mexico Governor Michelle Grisham banning citizens from lawfully carrying guns. And then Mexico's Supreme Court ruling that it is unconstitutional to punish abortion as a crime. We are getting after it today. Hey guys, real quick, if you are anything like me, you at least try and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So you will duct tape and YouTube your way into fixing things and solving issues that come up. And while that is good and worthwhile in many circumstances, doing that with everything could lead you to wasting a lot of time and money that you could have otherwise spent on your business and family. 
That is especially true when it comes to information technology and data security. And that's why I want to introduce you to my friends over at LMS Tech. So LMS Tech is an IT security company that can help your business with all kinds of IT headaches like network install, configuration, security, and monitoring, server setup and maintenance, cloud data storage, email management and security, antivirus management, industry-specific compliance, so that's like HIPAA, financial services, insurance, credit cards, that kind of stuff, and even custom software implementation like CRM and HR tools. So while you focus on making your business successful, let LMS Tech secure IT. Now, I trust LMS Tech with the security for my business, so I think you should give them a shot as well. So to receive your free IT and data security assessment, visit this website, getsecurity.tech. That's getsecurity.tech. Don't risk your data ending up in the wrong hands. Invite the experts in to protect your business. Again, the site is getsecurity.tech. That's getsecurity.tech. Dot tech to get your free assessment that will be in the show notes as well. But before we get into the quick hitters, I've got some breaking news. Andy Stanley, yes, the, the man that is at the helm of one of the largest churches in America, is still a heretic. Now, if that statement seems shocking to you, you must be new to the show, so welcome. We're, we're glad to have you. But back on episode 423, that was in January of this year, I did an episode called Andy Stanley is a Heretic. So on a very, very serious note, if you have not listened to episode 423 of this podcast, you need to, okay? That is the foundation that I'm going to build off of for today, because I'm not going to go into all the detail, because I went into a ton of detail on that episode. I think it's the most downloaded episode that we've had of the show so far this year. But in that episode, I go through the unhitch controversy that Andy Stanley stepped in, his debate with Jeff Durbin. I covered some of the comments uh, that he said and things that he said that were very pro-LGBTQ lifestyle, not just people, but the lifestyle. I talked about how there are open LGBTQ people working on staff at North Point in leadership. But I also gave this formula to you guys. It's a very, very dangerous formula, but it's attractive personality plus wildly gifted communicator plus large audience plus church success plus commercial success, plus no biblical accountability, plus you not reading your Bible, plus them not teaching the Bible, equals almost certain disaster. And we're certainly seeing that now. And the big question that I asked in that podcast and that I'm defending again today is, is it fair to call Andy Stanley a heretic? And I gave the definition of the word heretic from the American Heritage Dictionary of the English Language. Okay, so the dictionary. Here is what the definition of a heretic is according to that dictionary. Quote, specifically in theology, a professed believer who adopts a persistent and persistently maintains religious opinions contrary to the accepted standards of his church. I'll read that again because I kind of dorked it up. Specifically in theology, a professed believer who adopts and persistently maintains religious opinions contrary to the accepted standards of his church. So by that definition, again, go back to episode 423, yes, yes, you can absolutely categorize Andy Stanley as a heretic. And in that episode, I also made a prediction. Remember, this is way back in January, right? We were all old enough to remember that, that time period in our lives. I predicted that he will, quote, eventually probably in the next few years, come out explicitly as LGBTQ affirming 
I think that that's just about guaranteed at this point, unquote. And I also predicted that he may go full deconstruction. And as I was talking about with my buddy Matt from the forging table last night, I think we are in the process of witnessing Andy Stanley deconstruct before our eyes. So don't say I didn't warn you kids, but we need to get into some other stuff that kind of went under the radar until it kind of popped back up here in the last couple of weeks. In February of this year, there was an announcement that Andy Stanley and North Point Community Church, that's his church there in the Atlanta area, the multi-site church, would be hosting a conference called Unconditional Conference 2023. What is Unconditional Conference 2023, you may ask? Well, let's go to their website for the description. This is right there on their homepage. You're invited to the Unconditional Conference. This two-day premier event is for parents of LGBTQ plus children and for ministry leaders looking to discover ways to support parents and LGBTQ plus children in their churches. You will be equipped, refreshed, and inspired as you hear from leading communicators on topics that speak to your heart, soul, and mind. We deeply desire this time will bring about healing and restoration. No matter what theological stance you hold, we invite you to listen, reflect, and learn as we approach this topic from the quieter middle space. So this conference will be taking place here in a couple of weeks on September the 28th and 29th. So this is very pertinent to our time period. Now, from a quick cursory read of that statement, in my most generous read of this conference, given the information that I just gave you, I would grant you that you might conclude that this conference could actually be a healthy thing. This might actually be a positive thing in the marketplace of ideas. I'll grant you that. You might even conclude that this kind of conference is necessary for parents that have LGBTQ plus identifying children and at least, you know, purport to hold to a Christian worldview. But even this brief statement on their website betrays Really, the, the dark you know, and or vapid contents of what this conference will surely hold. So let's actually break down some of the stuff from this statement before we dig further into what this conference is going to be about. So let's go back to the statement. You're invited to the Unconditional Conference. This two-day premier event is for parents of LGBTQ plus children and for ministry leaders looking to discover ways to support parents and LGBTQ plus children in their churches. So. Who is it that this conference aims to influence? Not just get to attend, but influence parents and church leaders and staff. Okay? And influence in what way, you may ask. So we'll certainly get more into that here in a second. And also it asks, you know, begs the question who is it that stands to be supported by this conference? And that is the parents of self identifying LGBTQ plus children and the children themselves. Okay? So right there, in the first few substantive words on this website, you see them kind of sneak in this foregone conclusion that there is such a thing as an LGBTQ plus Christian child. Because here's the thing, as many people have pointed out, there's no such thing as a gay Christian. Because there is no qualifier that you can put before Christian. You're not a gay Christian. You're not a Republican Christian. You're not a St. Louis Cardinals fan Christian. You are a Christian first in all things. And so they're sneaking in there that certainly you can be an LGBTQ plus person, that you can be transgender and be a Christian child, which is nonsense. Back to the statement here. You will be equipped, refreshed, and inspired as you hear from leading communicators on topics that speak to your heart, soul, and mind. 
Now, that sentence was clearly written by a chat GPT bot that has only read crappy self-help books, so it's basically vapid gobbledygook, so let's keep going. Back to the statement. We deeply desire this time will bring about healing and restoration. Oh, yeah? Really? How can true healing and restoration happen outside of the context of the gospel and the repentance of sin? Not the allowance for and acceptance of sin. So you're talking about healing and restoration. Is there going to be a gospel call here to where people will find their identity not in how they choose to use their genitals, but in Christ? Let's keep going. No matter what theological stance you hold. Well, that's actually easy to break down because what you have to do before you walk in is to just have no theological stance at all. You know, turn your brain off and then you'll be good. And then we'll go to the last one here. We invite you to listen, reflect, and learn as we approach this topic from the quieter middle space. Oh, yeah? Here's a question for you. What exactly is the middle space on whether or not we should chemically castrate children? What's the middle space there? What's the middle space on whether or not Christians should be advocating for the genital mutilation of minors? This is one of those subject matters that there is no middle space. There, there's, there's just not a middle space here. You are either for this or against this. Now, I can already feel it that some of you might say, but Kyle, the, the, this conference hasn't even happened yet. Like, aren't you getting out over your skis a little bit? How, like, how can you condemn a future event, right? Now, again, go back to episode 423 of this podcast. I think I do a pretty solid job of laying out where Andy Stanley has devolved on this issue using his own words and actions and not implying anything. But it's not just the words and actions of Stanley that I think give us a pretty clear picture about what's going to go down at this conference. It's the other speakers that will be presenting at this conference. So who are the speakers that are going to present at this event, you might ask? Let's go through the list. So we have Greg and Lynn McDonald. So they founded the organization Embracing the Journey, which is the organization that is organizing the Unconditional Conference. They are gay-affirming parents, and they are leaders at North Point Community Church. Then we have Justin Lee. He's openly homosexual. He's quote unquote married to a man and married to a man. But by, by the way, I'm going to use quote unquote for married because there's no such thing as being married to another man if you're a man. He's also what you would call a gay Christian. A lot of scare quotes in this episode. He's gay affirming, obviously. And he's the founder of the world's biggest LGBTQ Christian advocacy organization called the Gay Christian Network. Then we have a guy named Brian Neitzel. So he is also openly homosexual, scare quotes, married to a man, scare quotes, gay Christian, gay affirming. He also co-founded the Renovus Network, which is a LGBTQ affirming organization working to create a quote world where no one has to choose between their faith and sexual orientation or gender identity, unquote. So the co-founder of Renovus Network with this guy is also a guy named Gregory Cook. So he is also openly gay and has been a leader with North Point Community Church for over a decade now. I think it's like 13 or 14 years. Then we have Debbie Causey. So I mentioned her on the last time I talked about this. She's also on the board of directors for Renovus. She's gay affirming and she's an employee of North Point Community Church. Then this is one that a lot of people have missed. Pastor John Ortberg. If you don't know that name, you should. So he's a former pastor of Menlo Church in California. Now, I say former pastor because in July of 2020, he resigned after the elders of the church discovered that he allowed his son, Johnny, to serve as a volunteer in the children's ministry. 
doesn't sound bad, does it? I mean, he's a pastor's son that wants to serve in the children's ministry. That's a great thing, right? Oh, but still, I mean, I, I kind of forgot to mention one important detail. John Ortberg allowed his son, Johnny, to volunteer in the children's ministry at his church even after finding out that his son had openly expressed his attraction to minors. Let that sink in. He knew that his child was a pedo, and he said, yeah, no issue with him serving in the children's ministry at the church that he was the head of. He was invited to speak at this conference. Now, there's other speakers and whatever, but they're basically all gay-affirming and different things like that. And after all of that, you might be wondering, well, who could possibly be the headliner for such an event with all these tremendous people? The answer? The one and only, the great and powerful, Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley is going to headline this conference. So, to recap, at least two of the speakers are openly gay and quote-unquote married, and the conference will be capped off by the senior pastor of one of the largest churches in America, a pastor who has all but completely come out as LGBTQ affirming. Oh, also, and a pastor that basically uh, let kids in his church that were under his care, kids in his flock, be open to the predations of his own son. Does anybody want to take an educated guess as to what's going to be taught at this conference? Because you can look at the breakout sessions and the names of all these things, but do you want to take a guess as to the content? Now. One of the most egregious things about this conference is what Andy Stanley and his team are strategically doing. This is so shrewd of them, but they're strategically doing something to seem loving and sympathetic. So get ready for this. They've baked in their number one defense from the beginning. But, but, but we're doing it for the children, the, the children, Kyle, why do you hate LGBTQ plus IA triangle ampersand divided by poop emoji exclamation point people? Why do you hate these people? It's built in from the beginning because if your worldview sucks and it's stupid and it's baseless, just make children the face of it. Oh, we're just doing this for the children, right? Ultimately. Now you might ask, why is Andy Stanley and his team doing this? Well, because he's a master communicator, and thus he's a master manipulator. If you're good with words and you can communicate well, that is a very, very sharp sword that you have to be very careful as you wield. Because I've been given the gift of gab. I can communicate really well in front of an audience. I'm communicating in front of you right now. I could very easily manipulate people. That's why I encourage people to read books like The Prince or The 48 Laws of Power, because you need to know how to not use the skills and the gifts that you've been given by God. But also, this actually leads into uh, a much more far-reaching discussion about why Andy Stanley is doing this, right? Because, yeah, he's a master communicator, he's a master manipulator, but I have some ideas as to why else he's doing this. The first one that came to mind is he wants to make money. This conference is going to make a lot of money. People are going to pay money to go and sit there and not learn anything and basically be defiled. So that's a good thing. He's going to get a huge cut of that. Also, he wants to be relevant. Right, because whenever he runs to media to, you know, talk about the things that he said or to qualify the things that he said, it's either junk like Relevant Magazine or other lefty organizations, news organizations, supposed news organizations, and they're all going to pat him on the head and say, oh man, these are one of the good Christians. It's all those bad, judgmental, conservative Christians, those Republican Christians, those Christian nationalists, those are the ones that we can't let be relevant. So we're going to keep bumping up Andy Stanley. Also, he wants to be 
winsome. Which I just got to say, I am about, just about tired of Christians wanting to be winsome above all other things. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that Christians shouldn't be winsome. Obviously, if you read through the gospel accounts, you see Jesus being very winsome throughout his entire ministry, right? But what these winsome Christians, most of which are cowardly Christians, where they stop short of is calling out sin. Because Jesus didn't stop short of that. He was winsome, but he was also brutal. Let the dead bury their dead. Like, you, you brood of vipers, like the, the stuff that clearing the temple, those things would be in the winsome category, but they were godly. And Andy Stanley just wants to be whiz, winsome. He wants to win people to his point of view, which really doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. Also, he wants to keep riding the tidal wave that Karl Marx created. We live in a post-Christian, post-modern society where there's no truth except your truth. And if you are one of the people that think that way, we're going to infuse you with our ideals as to how you should comport yourself in this world. Karl Marx started that, and on the offshoots of that are critical theory, feminism, this, this new nonsense about you can basically make up your own theology, and he's just riding the wave. And then the last thing that I thought of is Satan may have actually convinced Andy Stanley that he's right. You have to have that out there as a possibility. Because Satan and his minions, they're very, very powerful at the end of the day. They don't have ultimate power, but they're powerful. Andy Stanley may have been completely corrupted at this point to where he actually believes the nonsense that he's espousing. That's certainly possible. And a lot of people look at a conference like this and be like, okay, well, where are the victims? I mean, last week we talked about Dennis Prager saying that there are no victims whenever, you know, a person is jerking off to uh, uh, AI child porn. And I talked about how there's so many victims, but let's talk about the victims of a conference like this. So if I were to speak like I'm supposed to speak, I would say gullible, but otherwise good hearted parents and church staff are potential victims. But speaking how I actually speak, useful idiots are going to be victims of this conference. As I've said a lot of times before, in order for these nefarious ideas like that come from Marxism or communism or feminism or whatever other ism you want to have, you need two things. You need nefarious actors, and then you need useful idiots. That's it. You need people that know what they're doing and know that they're poisoning the well, and you need useful idiots to take a drink. That is what's necessary for any satanic philosophy to turn into an all-encompassing worldview, which is what we're seeing right now. Another victim is, or I guess victims, certainly, are the sheep that are downstream of the nefarious actors and the useful idiots. So, we have church leaders and staff there and parents that are coming to this conference. So, lower-level church staff that don't get to go to the fancy conferences, they're going to be victims of this. The members of the churches, these supposed leaders, will go back to. The extended family of these parents, so aunts and uncles, grandparents, cousins, these people are going to be victims of this nonsense. Larger friend groups of these parents, certainly people that they're quote-unquote doing life with. And you, you see, this, this is a revolution that is being created that comes from the top and the bottom. So a lot of revolutions come from top down, right? So that's what you see in like Soviet Russia, that, that type of thing. But this is coming from top and bottom. You have the church leaders who in this paradigm, the elites, if you will, forcing this ideology down from the top 
And then they're creating a bunch of lay people, these sheep, that are going to be forcing this ideology from the bottom. And if you're in the middle, you're just going to get squished. But the biggest victims in all of this should be, it should be readily obvious to all of us, that's the self-identifying LGBTQ plus children of these parents attending this conference. And I keep saying self-identifying LGBTQ plus children because that's what they're doing. They're not being validated in their actual gender, so they're self-identifying as a new gender or a queer gender so that they can get affirmation and attention, right? They're self-identifying as, I'm a gay Christian. I'm not attracted to the opposite sex right now, so I'm just a gay Christian. Now, rest assured that these parents and the leaders of these churches that are going to be going through these training sessions, they will be equipped to and manipulated into going home, sitting those same children down, and telling them that what they are doing is fine, that how they are acting is fine, the choices they're making are fine, and that their identity that they've chosen is fine. And they're going to say that no matter what they decide to do or how they decide to act out sexually, that God is for them, that they will love them unconditionally. But this begs a couple of very important questions. If God loves everyone unconditionally, then why did he have to send his son to earth as a human baby to eventually die for all of our sins as to be the sacrificial lamb so that we could have the possibility for a right standing before him? Uh, why would he have to do that if you're just fine the way you are? And the other question it begs is, if God loves everyone unconditionally, regardless of their sinful behaviors and choices and lifestyles, then why does God require that? Not suggest, but require that we repent from our sins and accept the free gift of grace that was paid for by the blood of Jesus. I was reading through Acts. Acts 3.19 came up. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. If God just loves you unconditionally, why does he send his son here to die in our place? And why do we have to accept that free gift? Why does that matter? So as we wrap this up, with all of this in mind, I would like to make a public reminder to Andy's family, to North Point Community Church, to everyone, and I mean everybody, that is going to be affiliated with the Unconditional Conference, the parents that will attend, and the church leaders and staff that will attend. So listen up if you're one of those people. And, you know, as a reminder, you know, this is a reminder, I guess, for you that comes from the lips of the Savior of the world when he said this in Luke 17, verse 2. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. So, for those of you that will choose to relay this, this demonic ideology to children in your care, I pray that you will repent and then work to right the wrong that you have done to them. And I welcome you all listening to this to pray for those people to make that decision as well. But if you do not, I hope the millstone finds your neck quickly. All right, guys, let's dig into these quick hitters. First one here. 
a drag queen being hired to be the principal of an elementary school in Oklahoma City. So this is according to Newsweek. Oklahoma's top education official is investigating one of the state's school districts for hiring a principal who is charged with alleged por- child pornography crimes over two decades ago, but was never convicted. <clears throat> Excuse me. Shane Mernon was hired by the Western High School District in June to be the principal of John Glenn Elementary School, at which time district leaders noted on its Facebook page that it had become aware of his past charges. In 2002, a Payne County judge tossed the case due to the lack of proof presented by the prosecutors that Mernon, a fifth grade teacher in a different district at the time, was in possession of any child pornography. The case was later reversed via appeal. The Oklahoman reported at the time, Though the record of charges was eventually expunged and Mernon continued his career as an educator, which was now spanned over 25 years. In wake of the news spreading on social media, Mernon is also being accused of being a drag queen who performed as Miss Chantel Mandalay. Tulsa News affiliate KTUL reported that on the day Mernon was hired to lead John Glenn Elementary School in June Uh, June 12th, a Facebook page under the drag queen name contained a post celebrating being named a head principal of a dual language school. The hiring drew further attention when libs of TikTok, an account on X, formerly Twitter, on Wednesday posted photos of Mernon's personal Facebook page, his alleged drag queen persona, and past news stories of the child pornography allegations he was charged with. Mernon's personal Facebook page has appeared to have been deactivated. Shane is a drag queen who performs for children and reads books about gender to kids while dressed in drag, the account posted. Shane was also previously arrested on child porn charges. Would you want this person in charge of your kid's school? So I'm going to go right to my big takeaway on this one and shout out to Sam Hayeswinkle for bringing this to my attention. The public school system is filled with sexual predators and deviants, but apparently they're not even hiding the ball anymore. So let me put it to you this way. Any drag queen that desires to be around children, and I mean any drag queen, especially when they're dressed up as, you know, highly sexualized caricatures of a woman in order to slake the lust or their autogonophilia, is a child sexual predator. Full stop. If you want to read, because again, these men are dressed up with big fake boobs and, you know, outsized caricature, you know, the looks of a woman and these types of things. And again, most of these men have autogonophilia. So autogonophilia is where a man, a biological male, so stupid we even have to say that, a biological man is sexually aroused at the sight of himself dressed up as a woman. That's what autogonophilia is, right? That person is a sexual predator. And in this case, if they're wanting to display that in front of children, they are a child sexual predator. They should be in prison. Okay. Now, I think that it is likely in this particular case, considering, you know, kind of the standards, because you might be, Kyle, this is Oklahoma City. Why is this happening? There are deep blue pockets of Oklahoma City. And apparently, this elementary school is one of those. I think it's probably likely that this dude was hired because he was a drag queen, not in spite of it. Because let's just be as generous as we can here. Let's say there were, you know, a bunch of candidates and they got down to the final five and, you know, then they get it down to the final two and it's this person, this person, they seem to be the exact same. I think that if they find out that one of those candidates is a drag queen, an active drag queen, that that would be disqualifying. Like, obviously, we can't put this person around children. Are you out of your mind? But in the world we live in now, to people that are wired for this type of ideology, I bet that was the thing that put this person over the top. And I guess I always seem to remind you guys of this. If something like this can happen in Oklahoma, it can happen anywhere. Again, for the last you know, handful of, of elections, every single county 
of Oklahoma has voted for the red candidate. There are a handful of Democrats that are in the state house or the state Senate or something like that. But this is a red state. This is about as red as it's possibly going to get in this country. And this stuff happens. So, again, we always worry about California and, and Oregon and Chicago and New York and New Jersey and, and all these different. And I get it. I guess it wouldn't be Chicago. It would be Illinois. But you, you get what I'm saying. We worry about these places. And here you are living in Idaho or New Mexico, as we're going to see here in a second. Or you live in Virginia or Ohio or Mississippi or somewhere. And you just, you just assume that you're fine. That this stuff isn't going to visit you. But I, I'm so thankful that the, the parents of Western Heights have kind of freaked out about this. But the thing is, is the guy's not going to get fired. He's simply not going to get fired. Because this was a high-profile hire for them. And I think they did this hire on purpose, so they can't just get rid of the guy. And I do want to say this as well. The guy was exonerated, technically, on his child pornography charges. So again, any of us can be charged with any crime. It doesn't mean that we're guilty. Again, I still believe in the assumption of innocence in this country. He was innocent until proven guilty. But if you dig in a little bit, which I don't have time to today because it's just quick hitters, if you dig into the case and him being dismissed, I think you could make a case for prosecutorial, I I can't remember how to say that, for the prosecutors not doing their job right. There was evidence that this guy was in possession of these things that he was alleged and charged with being in possession of, and the prosecution, I think, crapped the bed. Okay? But we do have to assume that he was actually innocent of those crimes, and he was maligned, unfortunately and inaccurately, by even being charged. But would it shock you? Would it shock you to know that a drag queen, an autogynophilic drag queen that loves being in front of children, that has access to children by working in an elementary school for as long as he did, that they didn't have those files on them? That wouldn't shock me one iota, not one bit. All right, let's go to the next quick hitter here. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin pardoning a Loudoun County father that was arrested at a school board meeting. So this is according to the Daily Wire. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin on Sunday, this was this past Sunday, granted an absolute pardon to the father who was arrested at the school board meeting after the superintendent lied about his daughter's rape by a skirt-wearing boy. What a ridiculous sentence to even have to read out loud. Let's keep going. The pardon says that in June of 2021, Scott Smith exercised his constitutional right to attend a public meeting of the Loudoun County School Board to observe the proceedings, during which time a community member threatened to spread false and malicious information about Mr. Smith's business with the intent to damage his reputation. Smith's story galvanized parents who were concerned that schools had sacrificed student safety and academic rigor for ideology. Youngkin's pledge to be a voice for those parents helped usher him into the office a month after the Daily Wire revealed Smith's story. So I talked about this story in a lot of depth back on on episodes 247 and episode 253 of the show, 247 and 253. But the big takeaway on this one, what if this incident had taken place in a blue state controlled by a blue governor, a blue state house, a blue state senate with a blue state Supreme Court? This father would be completely screwed. They would throw the book at him. They absolutely would throw the book at him because This is, again, reminder, this is a father whose daughter was raped at school in a girl's bathroom because a boy wearing a skirt went in there, lifted up his skirt, and forcibly penetrated her in a bathroom stall. Don't you think you'd be a little pissed off if you were a dad? And if you went to a school board meeting to hear the superintendent lie to you about what you know happened to your daughter? 
that you wouldn't maybe freak out a little bit? That when some stupid Karen comes up to you and says, hey, I'm going to spread all these lies and I'm going to ruin your business because you're a bigot, that you wouldn't freak out a little bit? I think that this father ended up acting in a way that was way more kind of relaxed than most of the guys I know listening to this would have reacted in those same circumstances. But again, he's lucky. For as much as a father of a raped daughter can be lucky, he's lucky this happened in a state that voted for a Republican candidate. Otherwise, he'd be screwed. So that is a message. Because I talk to people all the time, they're like, oh man, I live in Minnesota, or oh man, I live in Canada, or oh man, I live in, you know, just outside of Chicago, and you know, it's all these woke policies, and I'm just going to do my best to fight back. Okay, if you fight back like that in those areas, you could get locked up for wanting to know more information about why your child was raped by a wolf in the bathroom. So, just be aware of that. Next quick hitter here. The state of California voting in favor of a bill that would force judges to favor trans-affirming parents in custody battles. So this is according to Greg Price on Twitter. Uh, I just, I refuse to call it X. Okay, so I'm gonna keep calling it Twitter. So here's the, here's the tweet. Breaking. The California Assembly just voted in favor of AB 957, which will require judges to take into account whether a parent affirms a child's gender identity or gender expression in determining custody. The Senate already approved it, and it's heading to Gavin Newsom's desk. Now, Gavin Newsom already said that he was going to approve such a measure measure if it made its way to his desk, so it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to sign this. So here is actually a quote from California State Representative Lori Wilson, who was the one that wrote AB 957. Here's the quote. Parents affirm their children. Typically, it happens when their gender identity matches their biological gender, but when it doesn't, the affirmation starts to wane. Our duty as parents is to affirm our children, unquote. So just to you know, point out the obvious here, our duty as parents is not to affirm our children. It's to protect our children and to provide an environment for them to grow up safe and well. That's our duty as parents. Because I'll tell you right now, my three-year-old, sweet baby James, this morning said he was a velociraptor. He's convinced he's a velociraptor on his way to school. Am I to affirm that? Should I feed him raw meat, send him in the neighborhood to hunt deer and children? Or should I just not play into his fantasy, you know, play with him and kind of have fun with him, but at the end of the day say, no, you're a boy and you're a boy that's going to get big and strong and have good muscles and be a good man. Affirm our children, get out of here. So what's the translation on this, this whole thing that they're putting out there? The translation here on this law is get on board with this whole transing of the kids thing, or we're going to take your kids away. Because we have to look at how this is actually going to be extrapolated out into the real world. You have a mother and father fighting for custody of a child or children, and if one of those parents is not affirming, quote-unquote, of this particular kid and their delusion, they're going to have their rights as a parent taken away entirely. We're already seeing this in Canada. And guys, you can guarantee that the state of California will eventually provide some sort of law. I mean, because they're going to provide some sort of a law that allows parents from other states to take, quote unquote, refuge is probably what they'll call it in their state while they fight a custody battle in another. Because they're already doing that with abortion. Hey, come to, you know, if you're in one of those backward states like Oklahoma or Alabama or Texas or Florida, come to come to California, sit on the beach. Drink a Shirley Temple, 
And then, you know, we'll take you back for your abortion and then we'll send you back out to the beach to enjoy the rest of your vacation. They've already signaled that. So why wouldn't they do that with this? It makes perfect sense that they would do that with something like this. Hey, come to California. If you're having a custody battle in another state, hey, we're, we're down to violate federalism and the sovereignty of your particular state and their laws. It's going to happen. And also, I thought about this. Like, as soon as I heard the story, maybe this tells you a little bit about my personality. But tell me that there's not going to be some diabolically evil woman, mother out there, that's going to manipulate her child or children into thinking that they're the opposite sex just to stick it to their dad, to stick it to her ex-husband. That's definitely going to happen. Guys, if you think, because we're in this weird place and I'm not going to, you know, really go too far off on this diatribe, but I feel like in churches, we are doing women no favors, no favors at all. We're basically pretending like they're perfect. Uh, There's a lot of churches where women can very easily walk into church and leave church feeling like, well, I'm not really a sinner. My husband definitely is. But I'm not. God loves me. Every Mother's Day, we sit there and just tell mothers how great they are. We don't want to talk about abortion because of some of the people in the audience that are women that have killed their children via abortion. We don't want them to feel bad. And then on Father's Day, we just destroy men. Right? So you have these women that think that, you know, it's clearly all the men that are the problem. Again, it's kind of this downstream, you know, nonsense of third and fourth wave feminism that got us to this position. But if you want to know how women actually act, again, all sinners, right? But if you want to know how they actually act, look at transcripts from court proceedings and custody battles. Some of the most, and again, men are not, you know, pure as a driven snow here, but these men are just absolutely getting taken to the woodshed by these unbelievably evil women. The claims, I know someone personally that their diabolically evil ex-wife put out a, a, a rumor that he, well, it was more than a rumor, they filed charges that he had sexually molested his eldest daughter. And if any of you knew this person in question, you would know that that is not even close to being reality. Not even close. But she alleged it to her end. And it led to a very diabolical thing for the, her ex-husband, right? It's just nonsense. So there are women, maybe some men, but there are certainly women, they're going to use this in their favor. So my big takeaway on this is California may come up with the terrible idea, but the terrible idea never stays in California. So kind of typically the terrible idea starts in Europe somewhere, probably France, Germany. Then it comes to Canada. Then it goes to California, and then it spreads throughout the rest of the country. (coughs) Now, I'm very pro-federalism, and I think it's very, very important for all of us to realize the extent to which we have an effect on how things take place in our state. But a law like this, Gavin Newsom is going to put this out there, and the Texas legislature is going to put this out there, and they're going to use it as a model for other states that want to pick up the mantle that they've created. It's definitely going to happen. All right, next quick hitter here. New Mexico Governor Michelle Grisham banning citizens from lawfully carrying guns. So this is according to the Daily Wire. New Mexico Democrat Governor Michelle Grisham banned people from being able to carry guns in Albuquerque and the surrounding county for at least the next 30 days after a kid was killed during a road rage incident. Grisham signed an executive order on Thursday declaring that gun violence was a public health emergency in the Democrat-controlled state. On Friday, this is last Friday, 
Grisham unilaterally suspended open and concealed carry laws in Albuquerque and the surrounding area. She said that she could further lengthen or renew her order, which was immediately slammed by many as being unconstitutional. Grisham effectively admitted that her order might be unconstitutional when she conceded that she might not win the legal challenges filed against this order. So she knows that this is unconstitutional BS. She's, she knows she's going to get overturned, but she's doing it anyway. Why? Because she knows she can get away with it. Because she knows that even if she is impeached, which the, the New Mexico legislature has already said that they're looking to do, which they don't have the power to do because it's a very, very blue state. Even if she is impeached and they find her guilty and remove her from office, she's just going to get a raise and a promotion somewhere else. When you look at these Democratic politicians, they don't fail backwards. They fail up. Our military uh, generals and all that, they, they preside over these horrible things like the pullout from Afghanistan, and they all get promotions. They get an extra star on their uniform, right? But to talk about this e- even further, what, what we're seeing this week is we're seeing sheriffs and police departments in this county saying, yeah, there's no way that we're going to enforce this. So a bunch of people went to the, uh, the state house or the, the Senate or whatever, the Capitol, there it is, and they were open carrying, right? Carrying AR-15s or you know, having outside the waistband pistols and things like that. Police were there, didn't arrest a single person. So that's at least a good thing. But all you need is one sheriff that believes the same way that the governor of that state believes before those people are getting arrested. There could be jail time. There could be fines up to $5,000. Okay. Now, in this particular story, we're looking at it as, okay, a kid was killed during a road rage incident. And if you just cursorily go past that, you might think, oh, road rage, somebody pulls a gun out, shoots, and they accidentally hit the kid. They shot 17 times, according to the police report, 17 times. And you know what I haven't been able to find as of yet? By the time this comes out, maybe it'll, it'll come out because I'm recording this a few days before it comes out. We don't know who the gunman was. Again, maybe that information is out there. I just couldn't find it. Is it possible in a state like New Mexico that it was an illegal alien? An undocumented immigrant or whatever we're supposed to call them now? Is that possible? Was it a gang member? Was it somebody with a previous criminal record? Was it somebody that the lax, you know, law enforcement of this particular state behind the leadership, if you can call it that, of Governor Michelle Grisham, was it somebody that should still be in prison? Why don't we know this? Are they the wrong race for a road rage person? We don't want to put that in the media, right? Is that possible? And here's the other thing that's very, very big about this story. This governor is greasing the wheels for declaring everything a public health emergency, because we saw this with COVID, okay? We saw that when there's a public health emergency, according to the experts or the science or the CDC or the president or whoever, that they can basically take all of your constitutional rights away from you. The ones that were endowed by your creator, they can just take those away willy-nilly. And again, she's saying, it's just a 30-day ban, but it was just two weeks to slow the spread. Remember that? And as we all know, the hardest part of the first two weeks to stop the spread is the first thousand or wherever we're at right now, right? But if this is a public health emergency, people getting killed by criminals with guns, then climate change is certainly, in their view, going to be a public health emergency. The next pandemic, oops, excuse me, pandemic, the next one is going to be that as well. Oop, there's a bad flu bug this year. We need to shut down schools. When they go back, they need to mask. We need to set our kids back even more educationally because we as adults are scared, right? 
But the big takeaway here on this one is that COVID-19 has emboldened the most tyrannical among us, and they think we won't push back. Like, even in this admission from the governor here, she knows that this is going to get pushed back in court, but they're expecting the citizenry not to push back. Now, I'm glad to see the pictures and video of law-abiding citizens carrying their firearms outside of the Capitol building. Almost as like, hey, we're a pulsating middle finger to you in this thing that you're doing, right? But this is a reminder that elections have consequences. So I just talked about earlier with Governor Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. What if he didn't win? What if the other guy won? That, that parent's life is, is screwed. He's going to be in prison. You can know that for sure. So when you live in these states and you just turn your brain off, right, because you just want to watch Netflix or you just want to watch porn or you just want to do fantasy football or you just want to play video games and these elections happen in your area, they have direct consequences on you. Because, again, New Mexico is a very blue state. If it were a red state, something like this would not be happening. So we have to take our elections very, very seriously. And yes, I am talking to Christians out there that take the Benedict option that think, oh, we just need to remove ourselves from society and go hang out over here, right? We don't want to be considered Christian nationalists. But what version of nationalists do you want? Atheist nationalists? Because there's going to be some form of nationalism that's happening. I would much rather it be Christian nationalism if I got to pick. All right, last quick hitter here. Mexico's Supreme Court ruling that it is unconstitutional to punish abortion as a crime. So this is according to our friends over at Live Action. Mexico's Supreme Court may have decided that abortion should be decriminalized across the nation of Mexico, but it did not actually decriminalize it. While certain Mexican states had previously decriminalized abortion, there are 20 states in the nation where abortion is still illegal. Mexico's legal system is based on Roman law, not common law. It is because of this that Mexico's Supreme Court does not have the power to make changes to the criminal code. Such changes must come through the legislative branch. Therefore, while the ruling from the Supreme Court is a step in the process of decriminalization of abortion, it does not change the criminal code. Each of the states that has decriminalized abortion through the state government has created its own rules regarding abortion as well. So my big takeaway on this one is what confidence do you have that abortion won't eventually be legal across all of Mexico's 31 states? Because I saw two things this week, according to this, or three things this week, according to the story. Number one, people just not even knowing it was happening, ignoring it entirely, that type of thing. Then you had conservatives that were like, oh, this is great. You know, finally, we're, we're getting abortion out of Mexico. Didn't even know abortion was so bad down there. Yeah, great. And then you had the third category of people that were just like, yeah, this doesn't really do what you think it does. Like, you, you don't really understand how another country runs, which, again, you kind of understand your country more than other countries. But this doesn't do what you think it does. <coughs> and the reality is, is I, I, I get it. I get all categories of people. You know, there's too many things in the news cycle to be worried about everything. I get people that they want to dunk every time that there's, you know, seemingly pro-life news. And then there's people that are just like, they're going to be a wet blanket no matter what. Right. I get it. But with the trajectory of that country, right, considered to be a Catholic Christian nation, but that's certainly waning, right? Like most other countries that consider themselves to be Christian in nature or in governance or those types of things. This eventually will be legal all across Mexico. It will be completely decriminalized. Now, I don't know the, the breakdown of conservative versus liberal of the Mexican states. I don't know if it's similar to, you know, comparing Oklahoma to New York or something like that here in the United States, but we see the slow creep of history going in a single 
direction. So that's something that we all need to pray about. That's something that we need to pray for. We should pray for the nerves of these, you know, governors or whatever they call them of these states, these 20 or so states in Mexico to steal their nerves, right? S-T-E-E-L, to steal their nerves so that they don't bend to cultural pressure. They don't bend to these nonsense arguments. Again, on our website, we have a, a PDF that you guys can access. It's called How to, uh, oh gosh, I just forgot the name of my own PDF, but it's basically engaging and defeating. I think it's defeating the top 18 pro-abortion arguments. There it is, defeating the top 18 pro-abortion arguments. If you're in government, if you're in leadership, you should know how to respond in all circumstances to these nonsense arguments that are thrown out there by the pro-abortion, pro-baby murder lobby. That's something that you should know how to do. We should pray that they would actually do it. All right, guys, that'll do it for the show today. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So just a reminder, go to the Origin website. It's here in the show notes to check out the full line of Origin and Jocko Fuel products. So that's geese, jeans, boots, protein, energy drinks, supplements, much more. You got hunting gear. You got all kinds of stuff. Use the promo code Undaunted to get 10% off of your order. Now, in the show notes, I've got our donation page. I've got a donation or a page where you can go to our cigar page where you can buy some cigars to help support the rescue team of the Tim Tebow Foundation. I've got a link to Andy Stanley is a Heretic, the episode I did back in January, a link to the additional conference website, and then a link to everything that we talked about in the quick hitters. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also we want to thank the band Holy Name for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is their song, Perpetua, which is off their self-titled debut album on Face Down Records. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>